Welcome to another Synergy Autism podcast. This time I'm changing the scene a little from interviews with fabulous people that I know to allowing you a little window into some of my daily consultations with families and professionals. And here, this one, you get to listen in to my conversation with the wonderful Christy Preddy Franzak about what to do as a teacher when you have a child who is over-focused on food. Now, Christy and I have known each other for, oh gosh, a lot of years. She gets to train professionals in early childhood settings across the nation, across the United States. So she's been asked the question of what to do when a child is super focused on eating and when pulled away from that eating gets extremely distressed. So this is one of those topics that makes you go, huh, as you'll hear me say during the podcast. But how you think through and work with families is critical. I want you to think about moving away from a mindset of behavior control and into a mindset of connection and collaboration. In this discussion that I'm having with Christy, I want you to listen in and hear how we apply these principles with a child who constantly eats. And again, if he's moved away, he becomes extremely distressed. So listen in. I hope you get some ideas. Let us know if you have questions and enjoy. We're talking about this little kid um, and the way the little child was described was having classic autism, which I can start to fill in that blank myself. But one of the things they said was the kid wants to eat nonstop. Mm, yeah. So before we dive into that, that's what made me think to you, you know, did have you checked in medical things, right? right. So I said, have you talked to the family about this? So back to our original spark of conversation was, it was like, oh, the family says there's nothing wrong. The family says that, you know. They've already checked it out and they've taken it to the doctor or whatever. I don't even know that it got that far because I don't, the teacher's perception is the parent doesn't see a problem, so they're not going to go check it out. Mm -hmm. Teachers are wondering if the family is just letting the kid eat all the time because the kid is so persistent and so difficult when he's not eating, which is all the time, right? Uh He'll just sit there and cry and scream and um, then you give him some food and then he pushes it all in his mouth. So then they try to give it to him piece by piece. And then they try to say, okay, we're done with this. We're going to go to another activity. And he immediately starts to unravel. Escalate again. Escalate again. So I I guess what I'm trying to figure out is what your question is exactly. So so my question is definitely what to help this team do to help this child. But it was back to that parent child and that homeschool and that teacher dynamic. Like that the the ball just gets thrown back and forth. Yeah. It doesn't really get picked up by anybody, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And so like do that thing we talk about, like what do you have control over? So should the team really try to sit down with mom again and talk about this or do they go, okay, what do we have control over when the child's in our care? I think that child seems like a kind of more extreme case, but um, I want to stay kind of big picture for a second and then maybe go okay. into that case if that's okay. Yeah, Cause I think sure. that you are totally on I mean, that's awesome of talking about medical and health and nutrition with somebody first. And I totally, you know, what I see also is even preferences from teachers that they might have of saying, oh, well, you know, they're eating too much sugar or they're, you know, those kinds of things. So it's not an extreme case, but it's more like this child is maybe hyperactive in the class. And so they're blaming the parents. Mm -hmm. Like, 
hey, you know, nutrition, yeah, that could be a factor, but they're blaming the parents and the parents are saying, well, no, we're either trying to feed him really healthy and that's not the case, but then everybody's made this assumption on the other side, right? Right, right. Or maybe they do get too much sugar, but the family is so overwhelmed with something else that it's just the only way to, to keep the peace. Well, exactly. Like letting him eat when he wants, right? Regardless of what he Possibly, eats. yeah. Possibly. Because if it's as the, the teachers described it, it's really disruptive. It's really unsettling. The kid is very agitated and uh, unconsolable unless he's eating. Oh, wow. So this is a little one. So this is probably just a three-year-old. Yeah. Sounds like it it could be one of two things. One is um, pica. Yeah. That's why I said, does he eat other stuff? Is it like, does he mouth all the time? Does he put everything in his mouth? Does he eat clothing, carpet, blah, blah, blah. Right. They said, no, he's, they said just food, food, which I thought was really good (laughs) in a way. Right. (laughs) Um, but then I said, you know, like, what does he do like at the water table? And they said, well, we had to close the discovery table. So it made me think that, ah, there's still something a bit up. But what I deduced was that his interaction with objects is um, simple motor actions. So he would dump and pour, which is great because he wasn't mouthing, right? He wasn't drinking his uh, yeah. in the water. He was just splashing in the water. Yeah. So I simultaneously saw that we need to talk about, you know, like, let's say that, you know, the only thing he did put in his mouth was the Play-Doh, but that's not a far reach, you know, for that age, for that age in particular. I said, but maybe, you know, when you have the Play-Doh, if you really let him do a lot of padding and banging and dumping and throwing with the Play-Doh versus trying to make him make you a pizza, we could get there, but it's like, they can't quite get him quote, unquote, fixation with food, but keep going. You were saying there are two things. So one, it didn't sound like he was putting everything in his mouth and that he has moved beyond sensory exploration to some simple motor actions with objects. So I felt that was encouraging. Yeah. I'm also just wondering from an OT perspective. So, you know, kids who are under sensory, uh, like hyposensitive, Right. Um, will often stuff their mouths. So that's another option to look into for them. If an OT might have some recommendations where that might be a kid where he has to have something in his mouth in order to then mm-hmm. successfully engage with other objects. It sounds like a place where he feels most successful mm. and not successful doing other things if that's all he'll do. So it might be interesting if, for the team to think about or, you know, I, I we don't know a lot about the parents. Right. But um, to explore, like, I'm always talking about, like, where do you, I wish I could remember the name of the person many, many years ago that I learned this from, but he said, start where the person is not having behavior. Right. So if it's when they're asleep, (laughs) that's the only time they're having behavior, then let's like build on that, right? Yeah. For him, the only time he's not having behavior, it sounds like, is when he's eating. Right. So don't make the eating the issue, right? Try to... Yeah, and then try and expand from there. Right, so right. kind of say, okay, so he needs to eat all day. So the goal is then for him to eat and then play with something for a short amount of time and then come back to eating. You I'm know? so glad you said that because I'm like, okay, I'm going to channel Barb for a minute and then I'm going to go home <laughs> and I'm going to ask her if this is right. But I said something very similar. It's like, 
you're already doing piece by piece with the food, right? They're not just putting it all out because it all goes in his mouth and it's over quickly and then we're back to meltdown. So they've already got this routine. Now, is it a staffing issue? Sure, when you've got hashtag too many kids in a classroom and two adults. But if you can intermix just a little bit while he's eating one cracker to do one, you know, like you were talking about the other day with the cause and effect, even um, with social interactions, it could be a cause and effect exchange with them socially, communicatively, or with an object while they're there, right? And just kind of embed that. Getting him involved in preparation of the snack. Right. I wondered that too. It's just, I, yeah, I don't know what his other skills are. Right, right. Again, quote unquote, classic autism. I was guessing that he was a little bit difficult for them to reach, if you will, like that, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't seek them out as play partners and didn't follow the routine, you know. Well, and I do have to kind of call on my behavioral training also. <laughs> the other, so that's, that's ideal, right? Is to be able to integrate and help him learn that there's more. Some kids with classic autism do need a little more clarity mm. where it could be like snack only happens from this time to this time. Like you were talking about earlier that that's hard to do in some center-based scenarios or care-based, but sometimes that can be more clear mm. where like the snack box and maybe making it visual too. So the snack box is out, it's mealtime, the snack box is put away, it's done. That may make, take away the gray area of when to eat. Where if yeah. he thinks it's available, I'm supposed to eat now. Mm. Are you following me on that? So it's yes, like, I'm totally following you on that. If you're more of a black and white thinker, yes. When it's so, I just was reading about a family that I know who was talking about how when they went up to a sign um, and it said it was closed to um, the general public, but it was open to them. Okay. Well, it didn't say the open to them. It just said closed to the general public. He would not go in Mm. until they put a sign on that said open to the specific scenario that he was going to. Right. So if you think of the same thing, like if, if this kiddo thinks for, I'm totally maybe pulling it from left field, but if he thinks he walks in and, Oh, okay, well the table's there and the snacks are available, then I'm supposed to eat. Right. So play that out a little bit more. So he's three. And let's say, let's just say for argument's sake that the family, uh, for whatever reasons, good, bad, or otherwise, tend to not have that clarity of the time. Maybe even it's just their habit to snack all day. A lot of families, especially with young children, especially if it's their only children, they, and they're learning about autism themselves if a child's only three they're going to feed their child whenever they're hungry because they- Especially if the child's difficult, quote unquote, when they're not eating, right? Yep. And it's a time also that a child might be making connection because they're hungry, right? So they're requesting. So it becomes successful for parents too. So helping the parents understand that maybe food is only at the table ever. Like I'm working with a four-year-old right now where they just made that shift and it it had to just be a conversation where I said- just because they have autism doesn't mean that you can't make rules in your house. And -hmm. if your family rule is that food stays at the table, then that can be your family rule. You can make, you know, you don't have to, because they have autism and they doesn't mean they can't learn that. It actually means it might make it more clear. Right. Right. So even for this team, because they were saying they were trying to do if then. 
yeah. kind of uh, that's often schedule, a good one. Yep. if you will. It's just that it was so painful between the if and, the, and then, you know, or yeah. first this, like, and the child doesn't tend to do those traditional kind of the structured teach activities that you might have think of in terms of, you know, starting and stopping or taking a task to completion or putting stuff in and out. He doesn't want to have anything to do with those. So do you know if he would, is he eat, only eating at the table? I don't know that. I don't know where he was eating. So that might be the first step is just okay. to make it visual that you only eat at the table. Right. And then if, if, you know, he's probably not going to want to spend the whole time at the table. So then he learns that, oh, okay, for me to explore somewhere else, I have to leave my food here. Right, right, right. And then if he leaves, then he can come back and the food can yeah. be there still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. another way to make it clear. Yeah. Yeah, and they aren't currently doing like an open snack. So there are set times in the day, but it could be, you know, a mini schedule for him that there is a little snack table that he can go to to eat, right? Yeah, but that um, he can't wander the room with it. Right, right. But that he has some control over. Do you feel like, like, because I'm still worried about um, what's happening the other 22 hours of the day and or medical or at or, home. You know, like I always, I think it's high stakes for me because it's food. And so I always worry that the kid really needs the food and we're like, oh, you don't need more. But, you know, I asked if he was overweight. I asked, you know, all those kinds of things. And I I like definitely, especially when it comes to food, I think that open communication with the parents is extremely important to hear, like at least having some sort of communication. Did they eat before they came in? Right. And if they did, how much? Like, was it enough? Right. And if, if the child is um, low weight, that's a whole different story. That Yeah, you probably, they, you know, figuring out maybe better snack items that are going to be more filling. and Right. I was kind of thinking that too, Barb, like a food journal, because yeah. everybody has this perception that he's eating mm-hmm. all the time, but do we have a real sense of how much he's eating? Yeah. Right. And what is he eating? Like you said, like if it's like, you know, just a little crackers, it may not really be satiating anything. Yeah. I mean, that might be a kiddo that if he's low weight and he's not eating at home and he's decided, so kids with autism will compartmentalize, right? So if he thinks I only eat at school, I don't eat at home, that might be, you know, some kids will do that. They only go potty at home. They never potty at school. He may be a kid who needs to be on Pediasure or something like that, right? Right, right. And I don't, I don't think he was underweight, but he wasn't overweight. So it didn't suggest that he was getting too much, you know? Is he new? Because it also... Yeah. See, and I asked that too. And yeah. he was. They're like, yes, we've... But they, they were funny because they're like, we've had him since December. And I was like, but it's only April. <laughs> and he's only three. <laughs> so he's yeah. new to the planet still, you know? Oh, yeah. So I guess it does seem though... Uh, just to bring closure to this conversation, but it does seem like in this instance, even though they may not have control over what the family chooses to do, getting on the same page and having a conversation and maybe taking a food journal might be that third object so that it doesn't feel like us versus them and us telling you what you're. Yeah. With food, I think you have to have the whole team on board. Right. It's family for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And just seeing if we can figure out, um, what he's thinking around food. It doesn't even have to be a whole journal too. Nowadays it could be a text. 
Yeah, sure, sure. I just meant like a log, you know, like keeping track somehow. Yeah. I'm just trying to throw that in because I don't, I'm always trying to go low tech as much as possible. Well, and what people are already on your device. And if you have to go find a piece of paper, Mm -hmm. then it may not happen. All right, cool. All right. Well, it's, it's enough to think about, right? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's just hard because it's like the dynamics of where we started the conversation of us and them and then who is responsible and what strategy will work. And, you know, if he's already escalated, pulling out your if then chart is not going to help. So then you thought your if then worked yesterday, but now the kid's already a five on escalation riding the red train and it doesn't work. And you're like, why doesn't this strategy work? You mentioned the very beginning of our conversation today, totally about mindset before method. So even like bringing that in of having the mindset that connection is first and foremost, right? So with the child and whole system and medical first, but then also connecting with the child is going to be so much more important than trying to pull out this first then and have exactly have um, guide control over the child. You've you know, you can't have that until you have that connection and that settled regulated system. Well, like you were saying too, like how new is he? And and I guess that's like, I get worried too. It's like, let's just kind of like let him settle in. And before we try to figure out, you know, or maybe even like thinking about the, the blogging of the food gets our mindset in the right place. Cause we are right now thinking he eats all the time and really documenting it allows us to objectively look at well, then so that you can settle you yeah. meaning the, the guides for him, right? That they right. can go, okay, we have crossed that off our list. We don't have to worry about that anymore. Right. We can move to just trying to connect with him because I know that he has, he's nutritionally, his needs are met. Right. Exactly. So I can move to connecting with him or I can move to the first then thing. Right. Maybe right. that's even, you know, maybe that is what he needs because it makes it clear and maybe, but yeah, but for, to be able to check that box and know that, okay, we've, we've got that settled is going to be huge. Yeah, place to start, right? Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Synergy Autism Podcast. If you would like to learn more about Synergy Autism Center, check out our website at www.synergyautismcenter.com. Synergy is spelled S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y. And we are updating the podcast there as well, so you can find all the episodes there. Thank you.